on this episode of A Tale of Two Rival. The banter man has some fiery banter, because he's got some axes to grind. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome to A Tale of Two Rivals. It's a fantasy football podcast put on by a 3P champion and a numbers-loving nerd. We're just trying to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? You're joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. The juices are flowing here, Todd. The hate is coming for these negative, nobody wants to get these awards show. But we're having fun, having some laughs. Looking forward to tonight's episode. I'm stoked, man. The negative ones were actually more fun than the positive ones. <laughs> so uh, I was excited about that, man. I'm, I'm ready to get into this. Yeah, man. Oh, Dave, I got, I got something to share with you. I got something to share with you, man. I'm officially in a draft, drafting high school seniors again. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking over the, the crop of 18-year-olds in my C2C draft, baby. And with the number two, the number two pick, I got the million-dollar man, Quinn Hewers. I am stoked, stoked to have that mullet-loving quarterback messiah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm done gloating now. Technically, Todd, I think it's illegal to say I'm excited around that younger person that many times, but continue. Anyway. He's already in college. It's fine. All right, so. <laughs> it's true. He's All 18. Right. It's legal. Yeah. He's already, uh, he's already on the Ohio, he was on the Ohio State campus this year. He's cool. Anyways, um, all right, the question of the day, if you could be a roadie for any band, which band would you choose? David, take it away. I'll happily, I actually struggled originally when we thought about this question, Todd, and we talked a little bit before the episode, and of course, it's a layup for me. Give I'll travel on the road with Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefers any day of the week. It's got everything. It's the I think it's probably the nicest and most friendly followers. The parrot heads. I know people make fun of parrot heads and people who listen to your Buffett music. I know like the hardcore rock and roll people making fun of it and, and the whole that whole lifestyle. But I love the lyrics. I like the attitude and the feeling that you get when you're listening to your Buffett. And I love to sing along here. The idea of going to the beach and the the tailgates are phenomenal. The most fun I've had at concerts as are at Jimmy Buffett. People are phenomenal, and I, 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 it, this was a layup for me, and made me actually think back to the Scott Fishbowl when I, I wanted Dream Buffett to be my, to be my league until I found out that Matthew Barry also is a huge parrot head, and you had to donate a thousand dollars to be in that to play in the league with Matthew Barry. So he raised eleven thousand dollars for the Scott Fishbowl, but I was, I was a little out of my price range to, uh, to truly honor uh, the band. Understandable, man. I mean, I'd love to be able to say I could make a move like that and go up against Matthew Barry, but like, I'm sorry, the world's got to pay educators more for me to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, pay me for what my education's worth. Um, so for me, this was tough. Like, I had a bunch of choices. So it was like I was thinking about like if from like you know 
like just enjoying being on the road with them, the music, the show itself. Ultimately, what it came down to is I, I, I really, the, if I could see any band in their prime live, I would see Pink Floyd. And my dad saw them in the garden in the 70s, and I'm jealous of him to this day about it. The show presence, the show itself, the music, and I just feel like the vibe of like a Pink Floyd concert is just so special. I, I feel that vibe when I go see Brit Floyd or, or like Australian Pink Floyd and like that'd be like amazing. And like being part of that in their prime when they're trying to build it up and like just the, like the amount of like extras that go into a Pink Floyd show between like visuals and lights and they're they're just they were just so pacific about like what they wanted to do with speakers and stuff, man. And I got to go listen to that type of music every single night. Pfft, sign me up. All day, dude. All day. I could listen to play like Dark Side Live every single night. I, I'd be that'd be amazing. Be absolutely amazing. So Pink Floyd for me. Done. Now, Davey, you ready for my first award? Really enjoyed your awards and I'm ready to hear it. Let's let's get going. Here, let's go. All right. The Dead Man Walking Award, which is essentially the the fantasy death like like the march to the death of fantasy value like it, it's coming it might not be here yet but it is fastly approaching honorable mentions were Kenny Galladay and Julio Jones which I thought were like kind of obvious but I decided to focus on a guy who's been a consistent top twelve uh, option at his position that's Matt Ryan like a phenomenal choice for a decade he fell outside the top fifteen this season for. With his first year under 4,000 yards since 2010. And that's with an extra game. He had his lows for touchdowns and passing attempts since 2017. And this was his lowest fantasy output since 2009. Now, I've been leading the Matt Ryan bandwagon since we started this podcast. I've always been a big Matt Ryan fan. He, I was in a certain uh, headspace. Late one night on the BC campus loss, and I went to ask directions, and I happened to ask Matt Ryan. So the guy even helped me find my way on the BC campus. Like, I love the guy. I'm pretty upset about his brisk walk to uh, the fantasy football death row. Unless, you know, Calvin Ridley comes back, Pitts takes another major step, and they add another elite one, I just don't see a rebound happening in Atlanta. The hit for the Cutches is too much for 2022, uh, it, but it's definitely an option for 2023 for sure, right? It's very clear that the best case scenario for Matt Ryan is a trade to somewhere that's competing and has established uh, playmakers with with the clear choices being Denver and Pittsburgh. Atlanta's going to eat most of that contract, too. So it's not really like, oh, well, no one's going to like take on that. Like Atlanta's going to eat the money. You know, I think he's got one year left as a guarantee start as a guarantee start in the league, but no more than two years as a starter. I think after two years, he's no longer starting the NFL. However, do I think he could be an effective QB in the NFL at his age after those two seasons? I honestly do. But that prediction is more based off of the influx of young QB talent that's coming into the league as in of like the last couple of drafts. Obviously, there's going to be about four or five guys in the mix this year. And then next year, there's going to be some fantastic talent coming out too with like your, your CJ Strouds, you know, DJ might bounce back, Bryce Young. And then after that, you got some good crops coming in too. At that point, it's just kind of like three years max, but I don't really see it more than two. As for a Matt Ryan trade market, 
for fantasy, I think that he's actually a really smart buy for teams that have like Tom Brady or have like Aaron Rodgers on their team. Because you could target him as a very cheap super flex option without really having to move like too many significant pieces for him. I think he could be enough as a second QB to contend, but you clearly have to be very strong at, you know, the more essential places like running back and wide receiver in that scenario. But I'm not saying it's not possible. The point is, is like why he's the dead man walking is the end is near. It's coming. That's why he's such a cheap option in a trade. If he's like, you're missing like, you know, a QB two or like a QB three option to like, you know, as a safety net, Matt Ryan's like the perfect guy to be targeting without having to shake up your roster too much. But understand that you only got a window of a year or two before he's gone. Todd, the thing about Matt Ryan was, too, is people jumped on him pretty quickly to start the season. He he struggled to start. I think there might have been people thought maybe they were going to re- like they're thinking of the old Atlanta Falcons team still had Calvin Ridley at the time had they were thinking, you know, it's Matt Ryan. He can sustain. He he has the talent to carry an offense. And so he had a tough start. But then in the midseason and there, his big time throws, which is actually I've been listening to a lot of. Uh, a couple of podcasts when Kevin Cole in particular is talking about how big time throws is actually a pretty decent. It's it, when you start to see the big time throw percentage decrease for these older quarterbacks, that's tar- starting to show you that they're starting to lose some of their, their just overall ability to play the quarterback position. And you start to see a little bit of fade early on, but then there was a stretch mid season where Matt Ryan looked pretty good despite not having the weapons, the offensive line, he had to do a lot himself. He had to create, he is not, you know, he's kind of has that Tom Brady where he doesn't have the mobility. He has to create within the pocket by shifting his feet and moving up and maybe rolling out a little bit to create a little extra time before he makes the play. But he's definitely not a mobile quarterback by any means, especially at this point in his career. He'd never been a mobile guy. And he, he was doing a lot, Todd, considering what was happening on that offense. But then he really tanked towards the end of the season and it's just clear that Matt Ryan does not necessarily have the the same talent level to just totally mask over the defi- the inefficiencies and the deficiencies of an entire team or an entire offense. So I think it's he's he would continue to struggle in Atlanta. He's got to go to a place that has the offensive line, has the offensive weapons, and he can still return mid QB two type numbers and and be a valuable streamer or a very good. QB two on a super flex, but right now, Todd, he's got to have it's got to be a good landing spot. He can't just go to a to a bad situation and just try to get a couple of cheap years out of him, kind of thing. As far as fantasy is concerned, a hundred percent true. What's your favorite landing spot for him? We talked about this off the uh, like in between shows. I think maybe it was even I don't know. We talked about this, and you actually said Denver, and that has real. I like that a lot. They've got the wide receivers. The offensive line is very, very good. And they've got some defensive pieces there. I really like Denver as an opportunity there. I think that I wouldn't, I would honestly, I wouldn't like him as much in Carolina. There's some weapons in Carolina, but I, they would have to really upgrade that offensive line. But I wouldn't hate Carolina either. So those are kind of my, those are two that just jump off the page. I, I didn't really think of that beforehand, but off the page. I think everybody says Denver for every QB at this point. What I like about him in Denver is, and that's actually my pick as well, is the fact that I think that he matches Jerry Judy perfectly. 
Matt Ryan's always been an accurate quarterback. I mean, he can definitely throw the ball downfield, but like it's that not you know sure like that intermediate part of the field, and that's where Judy like made a killing at Bama. Is that like sure he could get down the field, but you put Judy in a situation where he gets some space off a player, and then you let him just be Jerry Judy after the catch, where he's doing his like that that fancy little kick like juke step that he does, and he like somehow breaks people down like he's a point guard. I just love the idea of Jerry, Judy, and Matt Ryan together. I, I, I think that'd be something special. All right. The next award. So I, uh, I'm a support teacher at a high school, and some of my students tend to uh, have a difficult time with procrastination. So I've had to work on quite a few essays on identifying uh, what, a, what a fallen, what a tragic hero is. So I've been talking about this pretty frequently for the last two weeks. And an accelerated pace. Um, so the Greek Tragedy Award goes to Saquon Barkley. This uber-talented fantasy football hero has downfall. has been dramatic and depressing. He's been an absolute disaster on fantasy rosters, as his flatal flaws have been for playing for the Giants and injuries. Personally, I love the coaching signing. Love it. All right? But, and I think it does write a narrative for Saquon, but that's a narrative that we want to believe. It's it, it's it's superficial, it, there's nothing of substance to it. It's just like, oh, this guy's here, he's gonna like he's he's been a proven he's been a proven offensive mind. He's gonna bring Saquon back. I'm just ready to move on to a new quarterback tale. Like it, it's just a downward spiral. I'm out. He's played in he played in 13 games this year, which yes, I mean that's four games missed, but he still fell outside the top 30 backs. Because there's guys that played less games than that that were ahead of him that he shouldn't have been ahead of him. He broke 100 yards rushing once in 13 games. And he only had five games with six or more targets. That's just sad. That's just sad. So after that outstanding rookie campaign, he's only played in 50% of, 57% of the Giants' games over the last three seasons. I don't care how optimistic you are about injuries. Pair that with subpar play this year, an organization in constant influx, a garbage QB on top of the injuries. I'll pass on the upside we've been waiting on. This upside that has not come for quite some time. I honestly don't see a scenario where you're buying Saquon at this point. Because the tag is too high for the risk involved. And I don't see how this helps a contender or a rebuild. Because you're better off holding him, hoping for an epic com- rebound, then selling him off. Than off than these dirt cheap prices right now, you know, and he still carries like a decent amount of weight. If somebody wants to pay that, I'd move him now. I don't think a lot of people will. So I have one share of Saquon, and I will not have it by August. But that's in a C two C league. I'm trying to find the right trade partner deal. Think about how I can, because there's a lot more options to consider in that situation. For him, I'm willing to take the risk in selling him for a little bit less than market. Because I think this is an absolute make-or-break year for his fantasy value. If he has another injury plague season or a lackluster season, that value is just going to tank. And it's just a scenario that I just do not see having to go back up. I just don't see it. If he, if he breaks out this year and I was wrong, thrilled about that. I am I, I, a Saquon Barkley fan, but I'm thinking about this objectively as a fantasy owner so i just it's just tragic it's absolutely tragic what saquon's turned into who this one hits todd because 
remember the greatest pro- running back prospect ever was thrown around with Saquon when he was coming in because he could do it all. He had the speed, he had the size, he had the elusiveness, he had the pass catching ability. He could he could do it all. And to hear you say uh, the Greek tragedy award it is it's a tough pill to swallow. Now I'm not sure I'm quite there with you yet. I think the it's basically been worst case scenario. The coaching's been bad. The QB play's been bad. The scheme has been bad. The offensive line's been bad. And the injury concern, they've all been there. It's it's one thing, bam, 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 after another. Brian Dayball, I don't want to – you can fall into a trap when you try to predict situation too much. And my initial reaction was like, oh, they don't target the running backs very much in Buffalo. And how much of that is a is a Josh Allen thing? How much of that is an offensive scheme thing? You know, it was Brian Dayball, does he know enough to I, – I mean, I'm – that's kind of a stupid question. He definitely knows to, he wants to be using his best weapons and, and he shouldn't know. I would assume that he knows that Saquon catching the ball is a, is, is, a, you know, that's a great way to get him out in space. But, you know, Daniel Jones is a mobile quarterback. He's going to be more inclined to take off than target Saquon on the backfield. And I think some of it might be just lip service at this point, Todd, because you don't come in and just automatically say, yeah, we're not looking to, to renew Daniel Jones. I think you got to give lip service to QB. That's that's you know all you do. There's no downside to saying, yeah, we're you know we're going to see where Daniel Jones is, or we're excited to have you here with him, and blah blah blah, until things really start to matter. But Todd, I, I'm not quite there with you. And my biggest thing that I disagree with you with is I don't mind trading Saquon for some wide receivers or some tight ends, or even trying to package for QB play. But if you are desperate for running backs. This and the running back situation out there in Dynasty Todd is not good, and that's why I still have faith in Saquon and why I still have him ranked. Let's see, he's he's my RB, he's my RB five still. He's my RB five still. He's my second running back in my tier three. I did move. I know we had a big pod about. I can't believe people have Javante Williams over Saquon Barkley. I was like, yeah, Saquon all day. Well, Javante Williams is over Saquon Barkley for me at this point, just because he's still young enough. He's- You're ridiculous. You're absolutely ridiculous. I can't believe you already put him over him. You made such a stink about it. I did. Well, I also, you know, you did. He, he, you and, did. Well, you know, he then he went out and he actually showed it. It wasn't just people just assuming. He actually uh, went and did something. So, oh, good lord, we were talking did, about uh, this towards the. We were talking about this towards the end of the season. No, it was not towards the end of the season. Yes, it was it before was. he had had. The, it was before he had gotten the that one game to have. It was mid-season. It was mid-season. <laughs> okay. Okay, Dave. <laughs> it it was mid-season. And the, but the, the thing is like I'll I'll take Saquon. I'll take Saquon Barkley over over Dalvin Cook. Take him over Alvin Kamara. I understand why you want to go Joe Mixon, but I'll give me give me Saquon over Joe Mixon. And then like Austin Eckler is <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a Saquon over Austin Eckler. And I know that's people like Austin Eckler just had a huge season, but Say, you got to remember say, year to year. You got to remember year to year with running backs and Saquon has the talent. And if he's healthy, I think he can do it. And even in New York with all the situation, I'm betting on Saquon Barkley. And the thing is, you don't have to pay RB5 prices to get him right now, which is I, I like. What about over Najee Harris? I have Najee over Saquon. Thank God. Okay. So there's at least some sanity in you. They're not in the same um, tier for me. They're not in the same tier. Thank God. I I just don't agree. I just don't agree with you. And that's fine. This is the one that it's I a think, very appropriate award, though. Very appropriate award. It is a tragedy. I I will say that I actually feel like a whole episode on a Saquon 
uh, would probably be a good episode. So we should look into that. A Saquon of tears or something. Just don't force it, baby. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So for the final award, it's the Bye Felicia Award. And it goes to Big Ben. So this award is probably coming more from like a football fan and supporter of like decent human behavior. Yeah, I'm thrilled to see this jackass out of the league. He just looked up straight up terrible this year outside of two games. Uh, I believe even the slightest QB upgrade would have made uh, the Steelers a contender in the AFC. This guy was stacked with talent around him this year. Claypool, Deontay, Fryermuth, Najee is a good receiving back. And clearly, Juju went down, but, like, you don't even need him with that kind of depth. He just sucked. And, like, Roethlisberger, you sucked. And I don't respect you as a human. Bye, Felicia. Get off my damn porch. So enough, Big Ben. The reason why I like this award is because I want to talk about the replacement, which is more fun. We've clearly talked a lot about Denver. Pittsburgh is probably, like, another really hot trade destination for a proven QB. Like I, like I already said, Matt Ryan, maybe Russell Wilson, a lot of people insane Jimmy G, who knows, right? But definitely a, a great and like pretty much any of the proven options that could come in will probably be better than Roethlisberger was. But they have that 20th pick and they should have a chance at a decent QB prospect with the 20th pick this year. Matt Coral uh, could be there. Kenny Pickett would be an amazing story uh, since he went to Pitt. Malik Willis would be a would be an excellent pick with a veteran signing, kind of like, I mean, what they did with Jimmy G and Trey Lance, and I don't agree with, but like kind of doing that. So, however, those are all the wrong QB picks. This is the perfect landing spot for Sam Howell. He plays a, quite a bit like Big Ben. He was a three-year starter at UNC, so he's got more experience and polish. And I've been expressing my love for Sam Howell for like three years on this show now. And I finally get to talk about him because he's a rookie prospect. Because damn it, Dave won't play C2C no matter how many times I've asked. I still believe he should be the first QB off the board. He won't be the first QB off the board. But that's why I think at 20, he's a great value who could slide right into his starting opportunity and really do something nicely with Pittsburgh right off the bat. I'm excited to see Big Ben out of the week because I do not like Big Ben for a multitude of reasons, and I'm excited to see what that change brings to Pittsburgh. Todd, you said you covered a lot here. Uh, Big Ben, the, the, the person, I, I, it's been a little bit refreshing because I feel like some of that has been pushed to the side over the years, but with him retiring, it's been brought back up, and it hasn't been just swept under the rug. And you, yeah, the talent around him definitely was not there he didn't he pittsburgh sank around him the the defense did not was not able to carry them this year and it was a struggle in in pittsburgh but i think the best part of the by felicia award for big ben was is that big ben was a target of yours at the trade deadline todd and you practice what you preached in a tale of two rivals and you went out and got big ben and unfortunately and this truly is unfortunate, Lamar Jackson, who carried you to multiple championships, was injured when it mattered most for you to try to go for your four-peat. And you had to play Big Ben. And he gave you 7.82 fantasy points against in the championship game. And yeah, this would have fit a fitting way for him to end his career. And I couldn't think of a better way than the by Felicia Award going to Big Ben as your starting quarterback 
in your losing effort in the championship game. I'm so glad you brought that up because I completely forgot about that already. Uh, I think I was blocking that out that I had to play him. But, uh, that's right. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty but, sweet. No, that's, I did play him, didn't I? Uh, but actually, you kind of proved my point. I'm pretty sure I didn't give – I think I gave up like a third and a fourth for him. I didn't give up like anything significant You give up him. nothing, but – yeah, but like, the like true also, opportunity like, cost was is that you played right. him, right? But the other thing too is that like I'm pretty sure I, the team I traded for, I traded him like traded f- like who had him was like they weren't even in the playoffs. It was like, of course they're going to take whatever no, they yeah, can get yeah, for no, him. It totally, it was a fine trade. But the best part was is that you had to play him. But the whole thing about it is, is like you know, in an emergency situation, I was like, hey, you know, like I, maybe you know what I mean? Like it's it's a good emergency plan you know what i mean and it did not work out and bye <laughs> you know like screw this guy he's off my team and now i have a roster spot open i'm thrilled if ben roethlisberger had you know performed anywhere you know if he had been uh, you know 22 fancy points and then matthew stafford didn't sh- crap himself todd would have had been a four peat he would have had a four peat yep i would have <sighs> all right enough rubbing salt in the wound here Todd, this was a. I really had a lot of fun this episode. I'm but, what, but, but let's not remember. I so I've still made it to four straight championships. Still, oh Just gosh, remember the that Buffalo Bills award? No, I've won three of them. So <laughs> <laughs> right? not even remotely appropriate to call me that salty much. Jesus. All right. Where can they find you? You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine. I mentioned it last episode, but you can find me over on the Patreon and DLF. I will be writing several articles in the month of February. Looking forward to that. And just, you know, grind the spreadsheets, Todd, and being right here on Tale of Two Rivals. And I, and I do, before we go, Todd, I know you had a special message that you wanted to send out as people head into the weekend. It's the dog days of winter. COVID is still happening. People aren't being able to see their families much, their friends as much. Uh, what do you, you have a message for everyone? Yeah, uh, today's a tough day for me. So, uh, we recorded this on February 2nd and it's the uh, 70 year anniversary of one of my best friends dying. Um, he died of an overdose. Uh, Chris and I had been friends since preschool. I was the best man in his wedding. And unfortunately he was gone before he could be part of my wedding. Um, Chris had addiction and we've tried multiple interventions i walked half my town to get back into an intervention and we did everything we could to try to help him and it's still hard even seven years later to think about what you could have done for someone so if somebody you know is struggling like don't give up it's worth the time it's worth the effort and if you're struggling yourself reach out like recognize the need the need just to start the conversation and um it's important you know and you're important and your life's more important than your addiction, all right? And uh, if you have no one to reach out to, uh, reach out to me at FF underscore Banterman on Twitter. I will be more than happy to uh, be that person for you if you need someone. Todd, thanks for sharing. Um, thanks for sharing. Uh, thanks for, yeah, just thanks for sharing and a very good message. Try to turn a tragedy into, you know, as a moment of maybe to spur other people to to reach out and uh, take care of themselves and uh, – you know, especially in today's world, Todd, it's it's easier now to get help than at any other time. It's you know, there's uh, 
online, uh, there's Zoom therapy sessions. You don't even have to leave your house. There's so many ways to get help. You can just reach out to Todd, and Todd is definitely someone that that is worth talking to about these about reaching out to. He he's definitely will lend you an ear and help out. So thanks for sharing, Todd. Sorry to hear about your friend, and uh, it, it's probably probably seven years. It seems like I think you said seven years. That's it's crazy to think about, man. It's wild, man. It was wild, yeah. But um, hey, and another way of looking at it, I I had a great time tonight. Hey, and another way to think about it, I had a great time tonight, and I was glad I had the space to do this. So um, take care, everyone, and reach out if you need it.